Welcome to Camdeners, the official podcast for the Camden Clean Air Initiative with me, Jeffrey Young. In this podcast series, we get to know and discover the lives of Camdeners, those special individuals shaping the unique and vibrant culture of the borough of Camden. Today, we speak with Emily Sargent, curator of the Welcome Collection, about a new exhibition, In the Air. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Well, let's... I want you to just give us a quick elevator pitch about the Welcome Trust. What does it represent? You know, and what is it for those who haven't had a chance to discover it yet? So Welcome is a health research charity. So it's an organization that funds discovery research into health challenges. And they are headquartered, as you say, on the Euston Road in a glass building just next to the hospital there. Their vision and mission and strategies is about sharing solutions to improve health for people across the world. So as we sit here in, you know, after the last few years we've had, they play a really central role in, in funding that research that, that shapes those solutions to the health challenges that face us all, including, in fact, health challenges as a consequence of climate change. But Welcome Collection, who sit next door in a more sort of classical style building that was built in the 30s by Henry Welcome, who was an American pharmacist and philanthropist and collector. And that's really a a cultural organisation, a museum and library, which invites us all to rethink and to challenge how we think about health and what it is to be human in the 21st century. And also really to think about health as a conversation that happens in terms of our own individual health, like how it resides in our bodies, but also what the impact is on health in our societies and our communities and our environment. So I think it's easy to fall into a position where we think about health as being something that's very individual. But again, I think the last few years have really shown us that it's deeply communal, collective as well. And so those are the kinds of interests that start to shape our program. So we have permanent exhibitions that look at some of that, but also a program of temporary exhibitions, which are all free. The whole offer is free for people to visit. And so we have temporary exhibition programs that explore these subjects from a thematic approach. So we take a theme and we look at it from lots of different perspectives, from our collections, which look at history of science and medicine, to working with artists, with local communities, with young people, but also looking at kind of material and popular culture. So thinking about it from across this very broad kind of range of perspectives. Great. Well, the current exhibition that you've got on at the moment is about air. I wonder if you could tell us about that. Yeah. So In the Air is an exhibition that we've just opened in one of our galleries upstairs in the building. And it's an exhibition that, that reconsiders our relationship with air. So thinking about it as a substance, it's quite easy at times to take for granted, to forget about. It's invisible. It's all around us. But it's both vital to our health, but also poses a a kind of a hidden threat often. Again, you know, the subject has gained an increased sort of potency really over the last few years. It was something that we were thinking about as 
as an interesting subject to explore even before COVID. But that sense of air being a shared resource, something that is really quite intimate in a way, passes in and out of bodies over and over again and over borders. You know, it it challenges these sort of singular kind of ways of looking at things. I've really never thought about how much the breath of others is is impacting on my health, in fact, until recently. But also our position on the Euston Road, thinking about the pollution that, that surrounds us there. And also because of our interest in thinking of things in a sort of across history, thinking about, you know, what's come before, where we are now and where we're going. Well, there's good reason and certainly a great synergy between the Camden Clean Air Initiative and, and what, you're, what you're doing. So we'll certainly be giving a shout out to get a lot of our audience to come and visit the exhibition in, a, in, in the air. Fantastic. So was it COVID that, you know, was, was that the kind of, okay, you were thinking about it, but was it COVID that made it, ha- made it happen or was it something else? It wasn't COVID, although it, that really started to shape a lot of how we were thinking about it. It was put forward as an idea bef- before the pandemic and really was a colleague and co-curator, George Vasey, who had been doing a bit of research about the welcome and had come across this kind of seeming kind of discord of being this health institution that, that exists on the corner of this very kind of polluted road. So it was that, that kind of thinking about health and pollution as being co-positioned, really, in where we are this very physical kind of relationship that we have. And then the kind of discussion slight expanded as a consequence of COVID because of those feelings of, of it being shared and also thinking about accountability. Um, so accountability is a huge part of the conversation in terms of pollution, but also in terms of tolation and infection control, all those things that we thought perhaps had been consigned to history when we're thinking about, you know, 19th century infectious disease control. Ventilation became suddenly this big topic. And then, again, it's become this really urgent issue for us all to think about. And then we became really excited by a quote by Charles Babbage, which seems a little bit unlikely. So this inventor from the 19th century, best known for his kind of early computer work, he believed that he could invent a machine that would be able to read atmospheric memory. So he said that the air itself is one vast library on whose pages are forever written all that man has ever said or woman whispered. So he really thought that everything we did was imprinted at a kind of atomic level. And if he could just make the right machine, we'd be able to find that. And while that's not possible, you can look at the air and have a sense of what we're doing to it. So it is, in a sense, a form of archive of what we're doing, whether or not that's levels of carbon dioxide or levels of um, particulate pollution, or as we go back, you know, the lead from the petrol in the 80s or before that to the, the extensive use of coal in London. So that sense of the atmosphere, the air itself being a sort of, yeah, a library or an archive of how we're behaving and the impact that's having on the environment around us. 
Well, it's really profound. And we're here in the steel on, the, in, on what is probably going to be the hottest day of the year or maybe tomorrow. There is a you know connection between CO2 levels, and which is effective a form of air pollution, and climate change. Is there anything in the exhibition that, that addresses that or connects to that? I think when we're working on exhibitions, there's always a moment where I feel a bit like, oh, no way. And it slightly shifts my perspective on things. And one of those, for me, working on this exhibition was the incredibly close relationship to the air that we breathe and the health of the seas. So while, you know, sitting on, you know, in the middle of Camden, we might not be first on our, on our mind is what's happening in the ocean. But actually, a, a large proportion of breathable oxygen comes from the, um, from the plant life in the sea, in the ocean. So the health of the ocean, which we also know is being really affected by increased levels of carbon dioxide in the sea and the acidification of the sea, all of that has a kind of impact on the quality of our atmosphere. And a sort of can almost be seen as a, almost a reversal of the oxygenation of our early atmosphere as we start to push up these levels. In the exhibition, we have some extremely beautiful examples of, of seaweed and algae, these really vital structures for the health of our atmosphere. As they were recorded by a 19th century scientist called Anna Atkins, using this very early form of photography called cyanotype, where you coat a paper in some photochemical reactant and then lay the um, what you want to take an image of, in her case, these very delicate, intricate plant structures. And then it develops and you take the, the object away and you have an outline of it in white and the paper is blue. So it's almost it's using the light from the sun, but also you know, the air itself really to develop it. So there's this beautiful connection of the process and what it's showing. And the exhibition attracts thousands and thousands of visitors every year. Any sort of estimate of what may come from the borough of Camden in terms of the visitors, or is it very much an international audience? Um, so we're, we're mainly London, actually. Yeah. So we have a really great, supportive public audience from London. We don't actually ask people exactly where they come from in London, but we, you know, we have good relationships with our neighbours. And we've been talking to Summerstown about how we might get involved with them We've got some youth, really exciting youth projects that we're working on in relation to in the air. So working with local schools, we work with kind of teenagers rather than the very young. But thinking about activism as being, and particularly environmental activism, and the voice of the voice of kind of ordinary people in this push for access to clean air is another theme that's really present in the exhibition is thinking about how we hold people to, uh, accountable and how we can identify who is affected really by air pollution. So one of the, one of the things in the exhibition is a very old document, a, a book from the 17th century, uh, which was written by John Evelyn, who was a kind of diarist and writer and politician of the time, advocating um, for the removal of burning coal in London. So up until that point, it was mostly wood that they burned, but then they started to burn coal and it was extremely polluting. 
but it wasn't really accepted as such. And so his kind of treaties against the coal smoke in London was considered to be against common understanding. And that is true right up until the 19th century. And then it wasn't really until the great uh, smog of London in the 50s where anything really changed. So that importance of keeping up that kind of pressure, I think, has really seen an, an, an increase. So we have some signage in the exhibition, some signage that was made by some teenagers in South London, in Lewisham, where, again, the pollution levels can be very high, that they put up around the city to call attention to the relationship between toxic levels of air pollution and communities of colour. So, again, these moments of real activism and pressure, which I'm sure you can really <laughs> relate to here with the work that you do. Yeah, quite amazing. Where, what have you most learned about this topic by putting this on? What would you say has surprised you? A few things. One really simple thing, which is just that air is really heavy. We don't think of it really as being something present and physical material unless we're maybe thinking about the, these kind of pollutants that shouldn't be in there. But it's full of other stuff. But it also has this very uh, considerable weight. When you first enter the exhibition, there's a piece of kind of installation artwork by an artist called David Rickard, who's really done a lot of work about different ways of thinking about air. And it's 104.2 concrete blocks, you know, standard concrete block that you'd use in building that... And that represents the weight of the air in that gallery. So it's more than a ton. And if our bodies weren't full of air, we'd be crushed by it. So that really, every time we've, we thought about it, we were like, is that, is that actually right? <laughs> because it just seemed so extraordinary that this sort of, what so often feels like an absence is really very physical and pushing on us all the time. So that really surprised me. But then the kind of, the opposite of that also is true, which is that it's such a highly transient substance. And while pollution can be a really local issue and disproportionately affects certain communities, it's also, a, the air is moving all the time. And so there's also a discussion in the exhibition about a kind of international nature of air, like how we carve it up politically into air spaces and how air as a substance itself doesn't care for that at all. So when we breathe out, a, a breath can go around the world in just a couple of weeks and spread across the globe in a year. So really? it's this wow. incredible kind of transient really? and long-lasting substance. And it's all just here all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's something that we seem to take for granted. Yeah, there's something about that invisibility, the absolute necessity of it, that almost means we forget about it until something goes wrong and then it becomes much more charged. And what about the permanent collection at Welcome? Are there any objects that relate to clean air? The permanent collection at, at Welcome is dedicated really to the history of health and medicine. It has all kinds of interesting things relating to air. One of those is the, the letter or the kind of essay that John Evelyn, a 17th century diarist and writer, wrote to Charles II, really advocating 
for the stopping of burning coal in London. So before that, they majoritively used wood. And then when they were running low on supplies, they started to use coal. And at the time, it was considered to be, if not benign, then actually beneficial. There was this idea that coal smoke was part of the reason why city dwellers were so lively. And it wasn't, you know, it was also considered that you could, you know, if you set a coal fire, it might chase away the plague. You know, it's that sort of approach. Whereas Evelyn was really much more in tune with how we understand it now, you know, considering the impact on the buildings, but also on the people and on nature. So he was not just thinking about the impact on 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 people, but also environment. You know, the flowers weren't blooming, the fruit tasted bitter, as well as the sort of the scenes of he says the smoke belches there its way from city jaws of the city of London. It's more akin to the face of Mount Etna. You know, this really evocative language of the kind of thick black smoke that the that this burning of coal was um, offering. But the collection also has, you know, much more recent sort of archival material around, you know, that real advocacy for clean air. So the Smoke Abatement Society was formed in the 20th century, really, in in response to similar concerns, which is the use of coal. It's, again, hard to imagine now if you think about, you know, Battersea being a coal power station and, you know, Millbank, the Tate Modern now, that chimney belching out coal smoke. That was the reality in the middle of the 20th century. And it wasn't really until, again, a very particular weather event. So that kind of trapping of those, of those, of that smoke, which, which led to so many thousands of people losing their lives in London in the 1950s, that really changed. So you can trace this history of the importance of regulation, really. It sounds a bit boring. That's what, that's what the that's what is needed. Well, I, it's I must say I'm quite humbled by this, all this because you know when I was walking, you know, in the first couple of days of COVID in March 2020, I thought, yeah, it was so much cleaner, and I thought, wow, it's fantastic. Let's do something to try and keep it that way because you could see the vis- visibility. But when I think about back in Evelyn's day, where you know there was this potential these voices for coal being a healthy alternative you know it makes me think about what maybe what some of the big business interests might have had to, to get that you know just like we had we've got the petrochemical interests and then you know there was also in the 70s and 80s and the smoking tobacco industry saying this stuff is not so bad for you and the, and really the fact that it's affecting some of the most impoverished people really more than others yeah and i think that was really was designed into the city there's a documentary very short documentary that you can see in the exhibition that really picks how you know the dominant winds essentially take pollution east so that's traditionally where the kind of lower socioeconomic groups live in london that makes the West much more kind of palatable place to live. So if, you know, like I say, there's these riverside power stations, 
and the smoke is conveniently mostly going the other way, then you can forget about it in, you know, Chiswick or somewhere. You know, there is this greater understanding, I think, that I certainly didn't have before I was really thinking about this, about how those, you know, how the air can be almost exploited. Mm. And again, you know, the exhibition looks at that very directly as a sort of political space. You know, in some parts of the world, you know, the air is very much used as a as a space for violence and oppression. So if you think about tear gas, you know, that's something that is banned in warfare. You can't use it in the kind of theatre of war, but it's used regularly in, you know, civil, civic uprisings. So if you think recently in Hong Kong, for example. So it's really, that's also been a really interesting way of thinking about the air of clouds, mm. particularly. So there's a piece of work called Cloud Studies, um, which is developed by Forensic Architecture, who are a kind of research organisation based at Goldsmiths, that, that look at all these different ways in which air can be really we- weaponized, whether that's from deliberately examples like tear gas, but also you know, thinking about the impact of things like the terrible fire in Grenfell Tower and how that impacts the air or other kind of urban conflict. And then there's a phrase that I always come back to, which is, you know, when you're in, inhaling that kind of blast or fire, you're, in, you're inhaling the architecture, the mm. very structures that surround you. Are there any other campaigning stories that we would see in the exhibition? Yeah, so there's this long history of campaigning for clean air and that continues today. It's a you know, very important part of how change is made, as I'm sure you know. And so we worked actually with another borough, with, with Lewisham, um, another site of some very toxic pollution around the South Circular. Now, that's the road along which Ella Adukissi Deborah lived. So you may know of her. She was nine when she died as a consequence of, an, of a very severe asthma attack. And her mum, Rosamond, has campaigned extensively to bring awareness about the polluted air along those streets and, and other streets in London. In fact, it's, she works with Sadi Khan to think about air across London. And in the exhibition, we have some beautiful, delicate little portraits of her that were made by artist Dryden Goodwin and, and also five other activists who are working for clean air so it's a sort of documentation of each of these individuals who are very yeah active in trying to campaign for a cleaner air future in the process of taking a deep breath so it's a sort of series of portraits of them inhaling and looking up and they're, they're made very delicate kind of pencil marks so there's this sort of delicacy to the work that really reminds you how fragile the process of breathing is. And Rosamond, you can listen to Rosamond in the exhibition talking very honestly and movingly about the real terror of watching her daughter not really be able to breathe. And so that that personal tragedy turning into this very powerful campaigning voice is one that you can witness in the exhibition. Wow. What are some of your other favourite exhibitors that our audience would enjoy, particularly the interactive ones? 
as well as some of the historical elements, there's also some really exciting audiovisual installations in the exhibition. So there's a panoramic film projection by artists called Matalurgi, who really explore the environment and climate change as part of their practice. And this film, which is almost 360 degrees around, so you stand in the middle of it, has populated by these very enlarged particles of pollution who kind of dance around you and come up to the to you and introduce themselves almost. So they talk to you as if they're embodied, giving you an, an idea of where they come from, how they're produced, how they end up in our atmosphere and also what they might be doing to us. But it's this really immersive and exciting environment to be in. I'd really encourage everyone who's listening to to go down and visit the exhibition in the air. Emily, what, what are the dates and what are the times? So Welcome Collections open Tuesday to Sunday, so we close on Mondays, and the exhibition is open through the 16th of October. Thank you so much for joining us here today in the studio, Emily. Thank you. And that's all this week for Camdeners. Camdeners was recorded in Serendipity Studios in Arlington Road for the Camden Clean Air Initiative. In Camden Town, in Camden Town.